Welcome back to the Westbrook Podcast. I am your host, J.D. Jackson. As always, you can find me on Twitter, J.D. Jackson at Always and Forever Art, and on YouTube at J-Rock Soccer and Basketball Sessions. Guys, today we're just going to get into comparing last year's playing Los Angeles Lakers basketball team to the current paper version that we have now. I'm going to get into what I think, where I think they've gotten better, where I think they've gotten worse. And that's what this podcast is going to be all about. Guys, remember to hit that subscribe button. I'm on all the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, CastBox, and much, much more. Well, let's get it. What's going on, guys? Happy to be back on the Westwood Podcast. Welcome. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Guys, we're going to get into the Los Angeles Lakers their old team versus what we have right now. But first, I want to start off with the coaching. Guys, we had Frank Vogel in the 2021-2022 season. Moving on to Darvin Ham in the 2022-23 season. Guys, first off, I want to say, look, these are professional NBA basketball coaches. I mean, no disrespect for anything that I say. I am just critiquing this turn team with the coach that's going to be at the helm this year compared to Vogel. Vogel is a championship coach. Darvin Ham is a championship coach with the Milwaukee Bucks. So please just remember, I'm just critiquing. All right, so first off, last season I thought for large portions of the games, the Los Angeles Lakers were ill-prepared. And something that Darvin Ham repeatedly speaks about is them being prepared that they're going to be prepared and they're going to hold themselves accountable and that they're going to play hard. The thing I love the most is how he talks about being prepared because I didn't think the version we had last year was prepared. To me, it looked like they were out there playing street basketball, just trying to wing it, go one-on-one, figure it out. I love the fact that Darvin Ham is repeatedly talking about he's spoken with this player and how to use him. And he's spoken to a different player and how to use him. He's spoken to Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, all of that. And he's figured out already how he wants to utilize everyone. Not just offensively, but he talks about defensively. He talks about seeing Russell Westbrook guard Giannis. He talks about how Patrick Beverly can guard up. He talks about how he wants Anthony Davis to be able to roam more. All of those are positive things that lends me to believe that for the first 20 games, we can observe and see if the Lakers team seems more prepared night in and night out. In my opinion, they seem ill-prepared last season on both ends of the floor. Now, I know I will give this excuse. Anthony Davis was Injured for a large portion of the games. LeBron James went out himself for 20 plus games, I believe it was. So I understand. Then they had a COVID outbreak. So I get it. I definitely understand. That just maybe it seems part of the reason was just people in and out of the lineup, important pieces missing. But nonetheless, if you have a system you're usually able to fall back on it. And they seemingly had nothing to fall back on. Which lends me to believe they were just were not that prepared game to game. But I'm looking forward to them being prepared game to game with Darvin Ham at the helm. 
So that's that's what I'm excited about with Darvin Ham. The pre- the preparation of the Los Angeles Lakers, game after game after game, quarter to quarter, adjustment to adjustment, half to half, minute to minute. The preparation. Because your preparation is excellent. Then you have something, even if someone is injured or needs an extra breather to fall back on, then it's easier for you to make an adjustment in game because you have a a set protocol, a set way to play for everything on both ends of the floor. So you're able to make adjustments. It's hard to make adjustments if you don't even know what you're doing in the first place, right? So that was the first thing I want to talk about. It's just I'm excited to see Darvin Ham, who seemingly has a plan. I love it. Now he's, he's got to execute, and the players have got to execute. But that's what this podcast is all about. It's just predicting where we were last season and how we may have gotten better this season. And I think the preparation is a possibility that that's better this season. Now, second, I want to move the defense, but we'll save defense. Let's let's talk about the offensive side of the basketball. I'm really curious about the sets that they're going to run and the counter to those sets. Now, I know the NBA, for the most part, everybody basically runs the same thing, right? You know, uh, stagger pick and roll, Spain, stuff like that. But the Lake, Los Angeles Lakers, they went so many possessions in a row where it seemingly seemed like they didn't have any sets running. It was just one person dribbling the ball and jacking up a shot. I'm curious to see the Lakers depend on an offense rather than solely depend on their stars. Look, you got three of them that that can put the ball on the floor and get a bucket. I don't care what anyone says. Russell Westbrook, he can put the ball on the floor and get a bucket. He's a scoring champion. So can LeBron James. So can Anthony Davis. But you have to have an offense. Everything your stars get shouldn't be so damn hard. They shouldn't, LeBron James, Anthony, Russell Westbrook, all three of them, they had to work entirely too hard for every point they got. It was too hard. My gosh, it was just too difficult. Yeah, can they get you 10 to, 10 to 12 of those a game? Yes. But when LeBron James is dropping 36 and every point was just a grind. That's not good. I mean, if Russell Westbrook has to have a 30-point second half and every shot be a contested jumper, a layup where he got fouled on, every last point, guys, it's too, it's entirely too difficult. Who can sustain that and hit a game winner? Now, they will every now and then, but my gosh. I want to see them play an offense more often than they did. I'm not just saying this. I watched plenty of basketball over the weekend of the Los Angeles Lakers. And they've had too many possessions in a row. It was one person dribbling, jacking up a shot. And everybody else standing for the most part. Now, another reason why I think they got 
I'm worried about the offense a little bit, only in the Patrick Beverly Russ lineups. Remember, we're only talking about the offense. Where I did think they got better is every single person can put the ball on the floor. Troy Brown Jr. can put the ball on the floor. Lonnie Walker can put the ball on the floor. Everyone can see Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Everyone can, Kendrick Nunn. Everyone can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. Thomas Bryant can shoot the three. Penetrate and kick, where I think that got worse, is I actually think the Lakers have less shooters now than what they did. And not that's just, I, I mean, because the truth is Melo and Ellison could shoot. Their reputation is they can shoot. Neither Melo or Ellington is on the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, we'll get into the defense, but right now we're just talking about the offense. I think they got worse because I think they have less shooting. But I think they got better in the fact that they can put the ball on the floor. Now, as far as the Patrick Beverly Russell Westbrook lineup, I'm going to tell you why I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly lineup. The reason why I'm worried about Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly on the floor together offensively. Russell Westbrook, he's a bigger point guard. If you've watched his entire career like I have, I'm not saying he doesn't beat wings or centers. I watch him do it. I'm not saying he hasn't posted up players before that are bigger than him. But what I'm saying is, if you watched his career, he oftentimes eats up smaller guards, point guards to be specific. The opposing team's point guard on the Lakers, if Patrick Beverly is on the floor, who teams are far less worried about when it comes to getting to the basket, will put their point guard on Patrick Beverly. When you play Russell Westbrook with someone like Patrick Beverly, the other team can hide their point guard on them. Which curves Russell Westbrook's ability to use his bigger point guard body in the post versus the other team's opposing point guard. Now, for those of you who say, well, what about the switch? He, can, he could try to hunt a switch, but oftentimes on the Lakers, because LeBron James is there, rightfully so. Russell Westbrook is in the corner or the dunk spot, wherever the heck they want to put him. Which means if he receives the ball on a driving kick, the person who started the play on him is still on him. They're going to hide that point guard on Patrick Beverly. They don't have to hide. They don't have to. That point guard doesn't have to guard Russell Westbrook. So when you play him with people like Patrick Beverly or last year Isaiah Thomas or THT, they can hide that point guard away from Russell Westbrook. You combine that with how little spacing they had last year and how it's going to be even worse this year because there are no, there is no Mello, Monk, or Ellington. That's going to make it significantly harder, specifically for Russell Westbrook, as that point guard does not have to guard him. Now, the spacing issue, 
I think it was almost an even bigger deal for Anthony Davis last year than what it was for Russell West. Probably equal. The, the spacing was so poor, I thought Anthony Davis couldn't even operate the way he wanted to when, you know, when he was healthy. Now, LeBron James, he just said, forget it. He jacking up threes. That I mean, he made 35, 36%. I forgot what he did. But I think the spacing is what I'm worried about. I think they got better with being able to move off the dribble. But I think their spacing got worse. And I'm worried about that Pat Bev, Russell Westbrook lineup offensively. Now, that's how I feel about their defense. No, that's how I feel about their offense. Now we're going to get to their defense. Defensively, Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, right. Patrick Beverly, more known for his defensive presence, his defensive tenacity. Sometimes, to me, going a little bit too far. But that's what he's known for. Right? We Undeniable. We know that Patrick Beverly can guard up. We know that Russell Westbrook can guard up. I do, I do think that makes them more dynamic defensively. However, Patrick Beverly is 6'1". Six, 6'1", six six one, one of those two. Russell Westbrook is 6'3". Kendrick Nunn. They're all... Under 6'4". All of them. My issue is basically LeBron James. And I was talking to one of my homies on Twitter about this. LeBron James is basically the only person between 6'5 and 6'10 that can actually do everything on the basketball court. Guard another opposing wing. Long. Quick enough on their feet. Can dribble, pass, and shoot. He's the only person between 6'5 and 6'10 on the roster that can do that. They can do everything on the court, even defensively. Because you gave away, I don't want to say gave because I don't want to be disrespectful. Because you you traded away the one wing I thought you should keep. And I know Stanley Johnson isn't elite. I do he ain't great, but he's 6'7. Long, can play decent defense, can put the ball on the floor and finish. You gave away the only other real wing you have for a six-foot known defender. I I was like, I, almost anyone else. Almost anyone else but the other wing that you have. That's, that's my issue. Lonnie Walker is 6'4". Troy Brown Jr. I think is 6'6", six, six, but I'm, I wouldn't accuse him of being able to do everything on the floor. So unless they are truly going to give William Gabriel a ton of time, I just don't know. I, I felt like they shouldn't, got, shouldn't have gotten rid of another wing. I'm worried about that. I, look, Austin Reeves is... You know, he's 6'5", so I get, I just, do you count him? Like, to, to me, the only wing they have that can truly do everything, create for, uh, they have one in LeBron James. That's it. Anthony Davis, is you know, he's a big, he's not, he's not a wing. They have one person over 6'5", 
LeBron James, who you can seemingly plug into the roster and they can do absolutely everything. I worry. Let's just say we're playing the that we're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. Who guards Giannis, and who guards Middleton? I mean, Russell Westbrook had to do it the last time. Is this season any different? I'm not saying Russell Westbrook can't hold up. He did. We've seen that. Who, who, guards Middleton? Well, who? Anthony Davis, I guess. Is that what we're doing? Or is Anthony Davis guard Giannis? And then Russ has to take Middleton? Or is this Patrick Beverly? Everyone's so small. Or you have to pull Anthony Davis to guard someone like Middleton. That's my worry. Who do these people, unless you're really going to play Troy Brown Jr. a ton. Is that what we're doing? I, I don't know. I think the Lakers got better, like I've been saying, because... These players can seemingly do better than what they did last year on defense. But it does make me pause and say, my gosh, who guards who? I don't know. I don't know. It's great that they can guard up. I just don't know if you should count on them to guard up for 36 minutes. Not to mention, I didn't realize this. But Patrick Beverly basically plays an average of 58 games in his career. That, guys, I, I don't know. If that So that's automatically taking him out of 24 games, right? My math right? Yeah. So that's nothing we got to worry about. We know Anthony Davis is going to play all the games. I don't mean by injury. I just meant they're probably going to load manage him. We know LeBron James is going to be load managed. And Patrick Beverly routinely plays about 58 to 56 to 58 games. What the hell are we going to do then? That's, that's what I'm worried about. But I got to be a believer in, going back to the first segment, I have to be a believer in Darvin Ham. He says preparation, that he is prepared. And he says having Patrick Beverly, it's going to allow them to be more dynamic defensively. So I got to wait and see. I'm worried about who they are going to guard. Which one of these out of the Lonnie Walkers, the Troy Brown Juniors, the Austin Reeves, who's going to play themselves into that wing? JTA, forgot about him. He's six six two, I believe. Who is going to play themselves? Into their ability to just be able to play defense and be serviceable on the offensive end. That's the question. JTA is actually, I think he shoots, what, 35, 36% from three. We just, we don't have any shooters. Now, I obviously think if Anthony Davis is healthy, the defense is significantly better. You got a rim protector back there. I think that that helps a ton. But I also know there's going to be games he's not going to play. Due to load management. Who is guarding who? What are we... Is, does Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook got to guard Giannis and Middleton? 
I mean, they, I, it's a five, six inches taller than them, if not more. That's what I'm worried about. I'm curious to watch. Very curious to watch what it is that these two are able to do. Because it sounds like they're going to be very dependent on the defense of Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. Because Patrick Beverly does hit from the corners. You got a guy that can hit from the corners and play good defense. Chances are he's going to play his 25 to 26 minutes that he usually does play. That's nothing, guys. This whole he's starting thing. Here's the thing. If you start a player, you really affect where else they play in the game. Because, again, not only the 56 to 58 games, Patrick Berry doesn't really play more than 25 minutes. You have to keep him under that. Maybe every now and then you can push him a few, a few extra minutes. But he's a 25-minute guy. We'll see. I'm excited. Very. I think that this year's defense is better than last year's defense because they're longer, faster, stronger. They're going to fly all over. I get what they're trying to do. They are longer, faster, stronger. They're going to run all over the place, try to cover up mistakes. They're going to be rushing to the corners. I got it. The stuff that having so many veterans last season, they didn't do that. This is where I think you got better by not having Melo at the five. Like what they were asking Carmelo, I went back and watched this weekend. If you follow me on Twitter, you heard me say it. What Vogel was asking of Carmelo Anthony at this stage in his career was not fair at all. I don't even think Carmelo could do that in his prime. Definitely not now. It was wrong. There was no way. He was going to be able to do that. It was unfair. And I was all over Melo's defense all year. Rightfully so, in my opinion. But some of the stuff Vogel was asking him to do was not fair at all. This is where this helps. You have better defenders out there. They just can't freaking shoot. So... That's the trade-off. That they just went the opposite direction. They said, fine, let's get long, fast, and athletic, and let's run and gun. Well, they cost them the shooters. We'll see how it plays out. But guys, right here is where I break things. Thank you guys so much for listening to the West Wolf Podcast. Please, please remember to hit that subscribe button. I'm on all the major podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, CastBox, and much, much more. So please, please hit that subscribe button. And guys, remember, as always, you can find me on Twitter, JD Jackson at Always and Forever Art, and on YouTube at JRock Soccer and Basketball Services. I will see you guys again later this week, Wednesday or Thursday. And as always, until next time, peace.